1: All right. Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, everyone. I'm extremely humbled, honored, and grateful that we have with us today the one and only Mr. Sean Cahill. I know that my audience, and especially my members, but including my public audience, they really, really love uh, what Sean uh, has to say, and they want to hear what he has to say. Uh, especially because there are so many things uh, that are moving so quickly in a fluid sense in terms of what's happening in the community and even beyond that, as a perhaps as a ripple effect that people may not notice as clearly, but it's still there nonetheless. So before we uh, bring Sean in, brother, thank you so much, uh, Brandon, for joining me today. Well, thank you for having me in your studio, of <laughs> course, to do this. It's and uh, without further ado, Sean, how are you, man? And um, let's get right to it. I'm sure there's uh, quite a few things that we've already started talking about beforehand that uh, we could touch upon in addition to some some questions that I have here as well. So how's everything?
2: I'm doing well, man. Really good. Feeling real positive, uh, healthy, happy.
1: Awesome, uh, today's awesome. a Good day. Let's get to it. Awesome. Well, first off, let me just start with something that uh, I had seen you uh, discuss on uh, Tim Ventura's show, I believe maybe a month or two ago, approximately, where you were asked about uh, crash retrievals. Now, of course, if there's things you can't comment on, please just let us know. But um, in a sort of unofficial capacity, is there sort of um, is there any credence to the possibility that, in any unofficial regard, sort of through the rumor mill, that there is, say, perhaps some apparatus that has been uh, retrieving some of these craft, regardless of putting aside the, uh, for a moment the origin of where they may be from, mm-hmm. but some type of exotic um, apparatus that is not Russian, Chinese, nor American.
2: I'd say that the, the historical evidence um, that a lot of people have collected over the years does point towards crash retrieval. I think that uh, pragmatic people, if they look at what are the unclassified programs in regards to retrieving crashed aircraft aerospace assets, um, any, anything that, that enters our flight pattern or our airspace, um, there, there are teams uh, embedded within our military that exist solely for the purpose of arriving on scene, securing the scene and ensuring that, that no classified or national security data is at risk. So we're, we're talking about now, unidentified craft that may or may not have been brought down shot down crashed had some kind of uh, problem with them right if that has occurred i believe that uh the cognizant military in the area and or if there's a superpower that that may be allied with that specific area would most certainly um initiate a crash retrieval program of some kind now i think what a lot of people don't understand is there's um you've got the the pragmatic picture of um a prosaic crash retrieval that occurs every time a crash occurs um when things enter our atmosphere that are unknown we and and reach the ground uh you know as a meteorite or a bowl light of some kind we go and we investigate that so it, it's a it's a natural progression to assume that now that we've acknowledged that UAP are real now yeah. that we've acknowledged um by telling, by by Congress telling our folks at the UAPTF to engage the past 75 years of history, they're going to reach the point where they realize that crash retrievals most likely occurred involving UAP, but that information is classified and people without clearances need to know, et cetera, will not see that information until it's made unclassified or until they reach a level where they have a need to know. So it it's not mental gymnastics it's actually a very simple um addition of evidence in a socratic argument this these things are here they are in the atmosphere they enter our area of responsibility we've just seen us shoot down unknowns that we all assume were prosaic balloons in a couple of cases and are still unknowns in others so i think this is where we have to engage our logic I do believe that crash retrievals of um, what I will call UAP have occurred. Uh, Again, not speculating on the origin. I think it's pretty darn clear. The question is, is will the UAPTF be able to find a case within those archives? Will they be granted the need to know to see those archives? And when they do, do they have the know-how or the... um, or the advisors to tell them which ones to pull out of there that won't damage national security but that will finally give the people an understanding of, of where to begin thinking about this 75 to 80 year problem
1: do you think that so i'm not sure if you want to jump in but do you think there are a certain say um do you think it is safe to hypothesize there are certain cases that In to a certain degree or percentage if taken out of that classified setting could be shared with the public in an appropriate fashion that still doesn't damage national security
2: i do there are there are cases that surround um world war ii Um, you know we can even go specifically to roswell and granted someone is going to have to do a walk back on project mogul and the nonsense of people conflating um events that were completely unconnected 10 years apart Right. Um, which which let's remember, this doesn't match the early eyewitness account. Um, we have the the infamous photo of, of Jesse Marcel holding the telegram that forensic investigation has proven. If if nothing else, that telegram was a ridiculously unprofessional communication right. amongst military leadership about an incredibly serious topic that they then rolled right into uh, the classification system. Um, that would be the place to start for me it's it's what everybody wants to know is what what started all this for us why did it really start what really happened and i think a lot of us expect that there will still be secrets after we're told that And, and i i assume that leadership will keep secrets that keep us safe but at the same time with all of the speculation with the amount with 75 years of entertainment in regards to uh, to this topic with the marvel movies bringing the I- ideas of quantum theory and multiverse and 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 right. things like that to an average person's understanding it's time to have this conversation right it reminds me even of the film um everything
1: everywhere all at once i believe mm-hmm. it's called and it seemed, to your point it seems there seems to be this this push in a certain regard to be able to help the the average individual open their mind to these possibilities. And, and with that said, we see, for example, that as of the last uh, handful of hours um, previous, that uh, relative to us recording this right now, uh, Dr. or Professor Gary Nolan had stated at a conference, which was, I mean, it, I must give it to him in the sense of the fact that He's stating this at a particular conference in which this is not some type of, you know, um, a conference that or some type of gathering that's in like someone's garage or their basement or Mm -hmm. something. This is a very serious conference, very respected conference that he was at where he stated, and I'm just paraphrasing here that there is some type of um, we could say there is certainly evidence of some type of. I say this very carefully, uh, mm-hmm. non-human perhaps presence or origin at play here in terms of w- whether it has to do with craft or, or beings or anything like this. And if I can ask your, your, your comment or your speculation or interpretation when you see someone like uh, Dr. Mm-hmm. Nolan coming out and making those, those claims or statements.
2: I've had the, uh, the opportunity to meet Dr. Nolan. I consider him a friend. Um, I put a great deal of trust in his words. And I have to say this there are a lot of people out there in lofty positions that like to speculate on this subject right. um a lot of people that feel that their bona fides or their past work or their leadership should in some way um make them eligible for uh for a read into programs that they don't have clearances for that they weren't involved with um and that, that somehow that they should be brought in like like in a movie like where something incredible happens like the arrival and the helicopter goes around and picks up all the great minds and brings them right i don't mean to be flippant some of these folks have incredible minds right however pardon me um however what that comes down to is dr gary nolan um had the clearances he worked on these programs um and he worked with people who had commensurate clearances, who worked on ancillary and parallel programs. And I'm sure, I'm speculating here, but I'm sure he was involved in networking and information sharing in regards to these topics. So if there's a subject matter expert, Dr. Gary Nolan is most certainly one of those people. And when he speaks on these on these topics, I think we need to listen very, very carefully. And we need to listen to the people who held those clearances, the people who worked in those, in those fields. Um, I've been lucky enough to be present when uh when Dr Nolan was uh, was outed in front of some of his colleagues in a planned fashion by uh by Luis Elizondo and, and Christopher Mellon it was really an honor to see the uh the astonishment uh the incredulity and finally the respect that settled in amongst an audience of incredibly educated um professionals medical professionals oncologists and, and other educators Nobel Prize winners CEOs and yeah. um, and and leaders of industry, as it dawned on them that someone that they had a great deal of respect for and had worked with for, for some for decades, mm. had been working on these incredibly courageous and bold programs with three-letter agencies, had gained the trust of the United States government, and was seen as such a great intellect and expert in his field that he was one of the few that was shown evidence about this great mystery we're talking about. So when Dr. Nolan has an opinion, that opinion is one that I listen to very, very seriously. Well, one thing that is to
1: to just before we get off of this particular subject here, one thing I found quite peculiar was that when Dr. Nolan, I believe he's been on more than once. But I remember I recall seeing him on uh, bringing an X-ray scan, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, uh, of a particular, I believe, soldiers or pilots uh, brain on Tucker Carlson to show the type of uh, energetic effects this could have on a pilot or anything like this. Um, And essentially, uh, a lot of people pointed out very subtly, more so on Reddit and Twitter, that if you look closely at this, this scan, this document that he had, that he showed publicly on Tucker, you could see on the top right, it seemed to have belonged to the Department of Energy. So my question would be, in a speculative sense, would you imagine that a lot of this compartmentalization of these alleged programs would be residing more so in private industry, more so in the DOE, or perhaps a myriad of scattering all over the place?
2: I think we're looking at something that it really depends on who 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 discovers takes an interest in or opens a uh, program project or 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 funds some kind of uh, think tank related apparatus towards this to do research on the subject. I think that's happened many times. So I think we have we have natural stove piping that the government will do to keep things compartmentalized and then there will be a kind of ad hoc stove piping that's happened because remember we've dealt with this for 80 years so there it's it's not one of those things that has just resided um with government research or or the military industrial complex one can be assured that at some point someone uh not everyone so flippantly uh denies this subject like Elon Musk does I'm sure that other aerospace um captains of industry etc have taken a great uh, interest in this subject. So when we say, where do these secrets reside? I think it, it may be situational. I think if we're looking at something that says Department of Energy in the upper right hand corner, then the reason it was taken seriously is probably because this yes. asset either was in or around an asset that was, that was under the cognizance of, of DOE. Right. Or it exhibited an energetic state or an ability to create power at a level that would have been under the cognizance of the doe had it been theirs so if it's from a uh, a third party a third uh, pardon me um a third party nation right. an- another nation state it doesn't seem like that uh, the pragmatic science tells us no one's outstripped anyone by a mile like that right. so it really depends on the context of where we're looking does Department mm-hmm. of Navy share information about uap over their non-nuclear assets uh, with doe or is only the is on the information around the nuclear assets shared? i don't know what the conduits for like that work unfortunately um a lot of times in government what needs to be reported to some people may not be reported or people who could use the information or deal with it properly may not receive it just because the conduit may not exist Wow. And so with that said, uh, Brandon, right before I let you jump in, if you like, um,
1: would you say be, being a formal, uh, former, excuse me, um, uh, being being a veteran yourself, and again, thank you for your service, would it be of your opinion, whether it's personal experience or whether it's things you've heard officially or unofficially, that there may be more, uh, we could say, um, anomalies occurring perhaps in our oceans than in the skies, potentially?
2: Well, I'm happy to comment on that because of my, my... My personal experience in 2004 with the tic-tac and then the subsequent uh, investigations that lou elizondo and i did down in and around ensenada and the island of guadalupe for the television show unidentified on history channel there's most definitely what i would consider a presence mm. um in our oceans now when i say a presence uh i often go back to the five observables and i'll just really quickly say that sure uh for folks who don't know them i would say Pardon me, look them up. We won't take time explaining them today, but one of them is transmedium travel. And transmedium travel is the ability for the for a craft to come through, say, from the vacuum into the atmosphere, into the hydrosphere or the ocean, without disturbing those mediums, having having full control of them and having full or um full autonomy of movement, so to speak, not slowed down by the medium. This tells me that that coupled with the other five observables, the, uh, low observability, uh, especially in anti-gravity that a craft that had these abilities that was exhibiting them would certainly be able to loiter almost anywhere they wanted to. And right. our bathymetric data, um, I, we have a hard time finding our adversaries in, in their quietest, uh, technology. So I'm sure that at some point, this unknown technology, okay. If, if if we can't detect them in the sky with impunity, I doubt we're detecting them in the sea with impunity. Right. It would be a perfect place to hide. Right. Thank you. Well, Brandon, did you want to jump in?
3: Yeah, I have a, a question. Thank you again for your service. Um, high reverence for folks that choose that. I am curious about the barriers of disclosure. So one of the things that we talk about with this is the idea that it's going to ruin the economic system and that uh, Christians are going to lose their shit because uh, they can't fathom a universe and that hasn't been included in the teachings, right? So with all of that in mind, do you find that those are acceptable reasons to hold disclosure off in your mind?
2: I think that those are outdated. Um, I think that those come from a time more akin to the 1980s uh when there was a a different resurgence in uh in fundamentalism especially here within the united states it would seem that the um the brand of fundamental christian fundamentalism in the united states now seems to have embraced uh, a new age mentality and in a lot of cases i i've seen that um that this topic seems acceptable and palatable to many who who hold faith in christ um and and other abrahamic religions frankly um i do find that people who have a more fundamentalist lean are willing to accept it but here's here's where the the breakdown occurs um they take the exit on the freeway before the destination that is their explanations for their beliefs and so many people like to tailor and cherry pick what they see and say well this works for me and this works for me and i believe in this but since and this is where we can, I think the three of us could argue well, because if we were having a a laid back kind of hippie conversation, we might use a phrase like if it resonates with you, right? It's a very, very overused phrase now, because if you haven't attained the personal discernment of what resonates with your ego, vice, what's resonant, what resonates with your heart, all you're doing is feeding your dopamine constantly. So let me add to that, that I've had, um, I, I had an extended interview with, uh, Catholic Universe, uh, the, the leading Catholic um, publication right now. Um, I had a long, lengthy six-hour conversation with the author of the article, and he went on to write a few more. And I've had other um, conversations with some officials uh, in the church who had questions about the topic and had reached out. Um, the Catholic Church seems ready and willing, as long as someone else takes the first step in disclosure, right to fall in behind and and say their part what they believe um their duties are in regards to baptism acceptance eschatology um and, and those ideas the catholic church is actually rather modern about it um that said th- those are outdated uh outdated ideas and i think those ideas are pushed by folks who are still feeding the fear complex um around this subject there we're at a point now where if someone has an opinion on UAP it's it's a pretty solid opinion they're they're well informed enough at this point that most folks if they're paying attention at all have an opinion and they're ready for answers and they're listening it's it's not just the UFO community anymore um this has reached the mainstream people are are asking serious pointed questions so I think a lot of the old um, ideas that people were going to lose their mind, that there might be a purge of some kind if we found out there was a uh, non-human intelligence present, um, I don't think that would cause a, 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 a great panic. Now, if we started getting into structure of reality, um, right. ideas of karma, um, right. ideas of, uh, of how much your intent... Can change the physical, um, what what we would otherwise call the physical or gross material around you in the universe. Right. There's a lot of people that aren't ready for those kind of ideas. I think mm. um, the consciousness aspect, the idea that that our perceptions can be manipulated, that our memories can be um, can be changed, um, with right. or without direct uh, manipulation um those things are a little bit more scary than than the idea of a non-human intelligence right well to that point if i uh, would
1: like to read a question here from one of my members jared and jared i love you brother this one's for you man for when you watch or listen to this because he's a he's a big fan of yours so uh, jared asks he's got a couple so i'll ask as many as i can in terms of the flow of the conversation how often uh Mr. Cahill, how often do semantics keep us from gaining ground with understanding the Mm. phenomenon? For example, people who consider themselves religious have a hard time believing or even considering hypothetically that we may live in some type of simulation, but then we'll say that mankind was made in God's image. I, Mm. sir, personally don't see the difference in the two ideas. How about
2: yourself? I really don't anymore. Right. Um, I was I there was a time when I was bothered by the idea of a simulation there was a time in evolving my own hypothesis on our reality that um this was an involuntary existence of some kind um the love at that point that I had a level of pain and um discomfort in my life and I couldn't find my way around that pain I was living in it so for me the idea of this being involuntary was very real but as I As I refined some of those ideas, um, the idea of a simulation no longer bothered me. I started realizing that we surround ourselves with simulations. Um, A book is a simulation. Right. Um, The Bible itself is an attempt at a simulation of our deep past and our interactions with something greater than us. Right. Um, It's not a true representation. It's just the best reflection of the photon of those events that we have. Right. um so when we get down to that it it's not a far leap for me to say that well physics of the universe seem ubiquitous everywhere we look one plus one does seem to equal two right. at the end of the uh the, the the equation therefore i can accept that dna may be ubiquitous throughout the universe that it may be written into the very structure it may be the way that that gross matter does eventually self-assemble
0: into something
2: that has the ability to perceive its greater universe in more detail and return something back to these higher dimensions that we don't we don't yet understand even though our math shows them to us um we don't like to acknowledge we we like to say that photons appear we don't like to think that they're waiting somewhere for their for their mission like in a, a
1: waiting room or a time domain of sorts right
2: right and we we speak of these we, we 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 we're very quick to say that we live in three dimensions plus one of time uh just like we're very quick to say that when we go to sleep at night it's just a dream um right we haven't found the spatial nature to these other dimensions we haven't found a way for our greatest mathematicians who can ex- and physicists who can explain the the topology and the structure of these things to us they still have not reached a place where their imagination says well is that an elsewhere to hear, right. and, and what are my connections to these other levels of reality some a lot of aspects and I'll, I'll get off of this for a minute so we can move in a minute so we can move to another question but a lot of aspects of of our science are beginning to look at this as if what if we are expressions of a higher dimensional idea right you know Which what, speak if, what to if
1: fractality perhaps
2: exactly right and we we find ourselves at that center point of the universe everywhere we look we are coming up with more and more excuses for why we seem to be at the middle of things um even right, your own but,
3: perspective uh, uh lights will come across and come straight to you on a uh all the lights angle to you whenever you're looking mm-hmm. at reflections across the water right. and then for someone standing a, 10 feet away they do the same for them as well
1: right yes. It's yes. very did you have anything else you wanted
3: to? Uh, tons, but please. No, please. Go if ahead. you want to go, <laughs> I, I, I'm honestly, uh, you got to the reality thing, and that's that's where I'm at, brother. So I'm I'm gonna go with you on this for a second. Um, this is what I honestly think to answer my own question about barriers of disclosure. The barrier of disclosure is because when you start rewriting what reality is, which I feel has been the game here, it's been this delusion and. Uh, I've this could go in many different directions. So we'll just say it for now that I've found it to be useful for the expansion of consciousness. I don't see it as a bad guy necessarily. I see it operating in the exact way it needs to in response to those that need that reading level articulated in that way. So, and you can find this in your own life, right? You evolve out of the uh, energies and you no longer um, connect with them because they no longer serve you. So in this way, like you said, it's a big, uh, for lack of a better term, mindfuck uh, to know that you're it and you're creating everything and that really this cochlear, Co collective creative process that could be viewed in that way. But then, even you can get down to a conversation about consensus reality just being absolutely nil altogether, simply due to your reticular activating system and how we perceive reality as useless or not based on our paradigm. Like, that's it, just trips me out all of these things. But what I will say is that that's what I feel the real barrier to disclosure is it's the fact that what you are, what this place is, all of those things have been so grossly. Uh, reduced, misapprehended and intentionally deliberately inverted to the point to where it's such an ingrained thing. But again, I needed to see it that way to wake me up. I don't know about you, (laughs) Um, but this feels, and it's, so it's valuable, but this on scale is where, where we're talking, where I feel the real barrier to entry is. It's got nothing to do with the oil companies. I think that we'd be Mm -hmm. fine with that if cognitively we were aligned with that anyway. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of where I'm at with it. It's just this, uh, more of a psychological, I mean, it's, it's all right there, right? Uh, it's mm-hmm. more of a psychological component to the zeitgeist. That's what we're acclimating is what I will say. Do you agree with that? I do. I think that, um, I lived a life of
2: trust. I trusted those who were bigger than me and smarter than me and older than me. Um, I was one of those kids that needed to explain to me twice i didn't get it so when the rest of the class was already starting on the assignment i was still Right. i didn't know what to do so that led to a life of of disappointment um because let's be real most of us don't find our place or or find ourselves in incredibly nurturing environments right. where the where the people around us are always positively oriented and right. patient and everything so A lifetime of disappointment led me to think that this place was a mistake
0: Mm. that
2: somehow the reason the way that this life felt i had, had ended up here via something i must have done wrong at some point and so that led to this idea well if that's the case what is being right and i think for a lot of people that starts with faking it till you make it you put on the fake smile you try to do things nice things for other people if we're lucky we get to a point where we realize geez people who don't ask for things don't usually want things so maybe i should stop so now i realize it's okay that's self-serving i'm trying to pay people back for my karma long story short is i got to a point where where i had a moment where I had the opportunity to lose something that was very dear to me. And my ego wanted to win the argument more than it wanted to win the thing that was dear to me. And I realized in that moment, I was like, every moment is a choice. Every single moment is a choice. And every moment may be a fight for a long time, but it doesn't have to be. Um, there, there is a I don't like this phrase because it's overused, but there is a path of least resistance that can be taken. And that path of least resistance has, has led to the most authentic, beautiful feelings in my life, um, has, has lowered my stress, lowered my anger. Um, I'm nearly incapable of saying I hate something anymore. And that's one of the most beautiful feelings I've ever felt in my life. So I've, I think I finally found the school aspect of of this simulation and i finally found that that there are lessons to be learned and they're not always cake and ice cream and hugs sometimes they're car accidents and abuse or divorce or or lies Um, and and dave you and i have talked about this plenty of times you know you and i'll get to a point in the conversation we may be talking about our personal lives i'll go like this right because I mean, right. that that's life life is peaks and valleys and if if we cry in the valleys and and raise our fist at the top of every peak i think we're missing the journey uh we're just gonna learn to coaster. surf
3: you know yeah right. yeah yeah Right. Anything else? Outstanding. You know? No, incredible way to answer it. And I do appreciate that. But I, I completely agree. And so this has been part of our focus. You know, it's just to be the lighthouse, like uh, let folks know that it's fun to play and that that's what we're here for and that, you know, give people back to themselves. That's our mission. So thanks for uh, the answer. It was wonderful. Um, one thing I would like to ask, this is something that's a little bit, uh, I
1: think, a few years old in terms of, you know, uh, relevance in the question. But the reason I like to bring this up is because perhaps I could be wrong here. So please let me know if it's something that you can't comment or even speculate on, which would be understandable completely. Um, but with regards to Mr. Uh, Christopher Mellon's slide nine leak with respects mm. to the the slide saying things like, for example, what we considered, uh, you know, um, phenomena or excuse me. What was once considered phenomena is now quantum physics. Uh, things like this is this anything you can comment on relative to what you may be hearing officially or unofficially in any regard, whether energetically, physically, et cetera? Mm-hmm.
2: I had the um, the great honor and opportunity to attend a meeting in Colorado Springs. Um, you're aware of that with some of the some of the largest names in pragmatic research in this field um, ever, frankly. Right. I I would say. Um, that there is a level of understanding um within the academia that is connected to the subject that aspects of, of um the five observables that, that that we have seen from these craft do seem to indicate um certain aspects of our theoretical physics to be absolutely spot on in right. certain directions and so i believe that there are people doing very serious research into those areas um and i think that there are. There are areas within our uh, research and development cadre um, of the West that are very interested in no longer um, classifying certain things as hypotheses and being bold and taking them into theoretical territory where R&D occurs, where, where real research, real fundamentals are established and real benchmarks are noted um perhaps dare I say experimentation or would that be taking it too far oh I'm sure experiment experimentation is, is the benchmark of the scientific process right um we must experiment we must prove our our hypotheses wrong or our theories wrong at every turn that we can um the question that I have based on rumor uh surrounding metamaterial is do we currently um and we may have to go back and talk about what metamaterial is but do we currently have the uh, manufacturing capabilities to mimic or even come close to mimicking um, the incredibly complex and organized nature of these materials? Um, We're not sure how some of them are bonded. Uh, We're not sure what the exact origin of uh, them is. And, and frankly, um, at least in the private sector, we can only speculate on what they're used for. There's a lot of rumor around uh, terahertz waveguides and achieving levels of energy that, that are beyond our current capabilities. The fact is, is if you look back through the zeitgeist um, surrounding our, our, our greater aerospace um, dreams, uh, because the dream has always been to negate gravity, uh, because the dream is always to reduce cost of moving cargo, into orbit to as low as possible right so whether connected to the uap topic or whether just through the pragmatic advancement of of our physics um i think slide nine is very telling that we got to see something that we're not read into and the fact is is that at the level of an undersecretary of defense for intelligence the briefing says we have a clue Right, got you. Because it's
1: interesting. To to your point, if I may add, for more so for the audience, there was a a piece of footage I believe uh, from maybe three four years ago, approximately, where uh, Mr. Elizondo was having a conversation with Dr. Pudoff, and Dr. Pudoff was talking about metamaterials and how the elements found in these alleged metamaterials, regardless of their origin, are not necessarily comprised of any uh, elements that we're not familiar with relative to our periodic table, but more so that there's a a stacking, if you will, of various mm-hmm. elements in like a topological sense. And that is where things get very, very complex. And I find that, mm-hmm. I, I appreciate your, your response there because, I mean, as some of my audience knows with respects to, to my diving into to physics and what have you, it gets extremely complex and heady. And I can only imagine that scaling up to having even a team of individuals look into this is still something where the progress in general may take a lot longer, at least time-wise than many may think. And so i find that very peculiar yeah
2: i think that um what a lot of people may not understand is even removing the veil of stove piping and right and things and um and need to know what we're talking about may be material and ideas and subjects and physics pardon my use of these words but from a realm that we're not familiar with right and therefore when you know if if i hand this is a very crude um, metaphor, but if I handed a, um, a stone age person, uh, an iPhone, they, they would have no idea what they were looking at. Right. Um, even if it was powered up, it's, it's hit or miss whether they'd ever actually turn it on or just use it for a black mirror for a moment and then smash it and run away from it. Um, well, they would
1: call just the screen turning on. If they could get it to turn on, I would, I would wager that they would write in, in the, in the, in what we now call history books and all of that, that it was some type of magical, whatever, you know, word
2: certainly certainly um so we're left with the idea that uh that how long did it take for someone how many people had to look at a piece of slagged metamaterial right before someone went oh that's a thingamabob we may not know what we're looking at in all cases we it, it may even once the the forensic analysis of these materials is done if we don't have the the theoretical imagination to uh to apply it you know not to get into the you know nikola tesla is uh is relied upon by by too many in the fringe as 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 proof you know there's too many youtubes now with quotes and quotes and and anecdotes that we can't exactly verify however along uh, nikola tesla albert einstein numerous other great minds at some point along the way when asked where does your inspiration come from they all said it comes from my imagination it comes from my dreams it comes from my daydreams or i'm visited by someone in a dream and it's brought to me so these ideas exist um i think sometimes we do have to pull them out of the ether Mm. the question is is does the who's um whose schedule does the ether respond to (laughs)
3: Wow, that's, a, yeah, please well, Yeah, I mean, that is the question. So I, I want to come back to the simulation real quick because I've talked about this a lot, Sean, um, the idea of it being this prison planet idea or even the Saturn moon matrix that Dave Ike talks about and things like this. Mm-hmm. I've even gotten it so far to where like uh, the Vitruvian man, you know, um, that that's your reality, that your reality ends yep. right here at the tip of mm-hmm. your finger and that vastness and scale can be coded into your perception. So really don't need to and render. So there's
1: like a rendering of that vastness temporarily. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's a, right. That's the
3: thing about a simulation. We always talk about this idea of that. It, well, it would take a planet size uh, computer to run that thing, but maybe, and now if you'd, Want to do that to render an entire environment. We have no, we're speculating wildly here, but that's, that's fun. So what I would say though, is, is that you don't even need that. You don't even need the, that scalability. You just need um, to be able to 100% or just to the degree that you wish, apprehend the perception of the occupant. Because right. you could perceive yes. wind yeah. blowing from a far place. You could perceive the Grand Canyon. Like those are just electrical impulses. Right. You don't need to build a whole yes. huge thing. Even if you're not rendering what's behind you in the game model, right? right, right to right. save power and all that shit. So my question is, is if this is a thing, um, I'm not a fan of the idea, but I'm, I'm also, you know, it's whatever. Uh, I'm more of a sovereignty person, but that's okay. So uh, UFOs and tech, do we think that that could be a way out? Do uh, I'll add to this, like the Brevinnikov idea where he's strapping bug wings together to a very reductive thing. He's strapping bug wings together, flying around. It seems that there are clues left all over the place in the form of sacred geometry, in the form of microscopic, in the form of as above, so below. Uh, we see plasma and, man, Lasers and light. Laser man, light. Yeah. I mean, everything. <laughs> the onk, we see all of these things. <clears throat> and then we also find it seems now in our purview, not only some coming in to visit us as an example of what's capable of. They're like, hey, check this out. You guys can make one of these zip. And then they're gone. It's like, what the fuck was that? Right. And then you go investigate it. but. The thing is, is it seems to be found here. So then I'm looking at this place. If it is what we've talked about here, this constructed reality that seems fairly limiting as far as limited as far as our imagination at least can perceive, could it be some sort of like escape room? Have you ever done an escape room, Sean? We but
2: my kids are doing
3: one tonight. So. Oh my wow. god, dude, they're oh, wow. a blast. Yeah. Like, my wife crushes it at those things. We're like, what's next? And she turns a lamp on, the lampshade has everything on it. We're like, what? They're well, crazy. If, if I
1: may add very quickly to the question in general, I think the question also becomes to what parameter or threshold do these alleged
3: craft contain the ability to, quote, get out of here, if at all? That, yeah. Right. Is, it, is it some sort of escape room? Meaning, I'm with you also with this, because mm-hmm. you get to that frustrated point where you feel claustrophobic, And you're like, oh, we're gods with amnesia or something, but really a lesson, a more of an appropriative, uh, because this is also when we bring up the conversation of time and we're like, oh, time doesn't exist. It's like, well, we have a perception of it here, so it must be useful. And to that, I would say then that duration, you know, gives you change. So that's how you affect change and growth, which is what time is useful for in this realm. But what I would say to that then is, do you think uh, this is like a huge escape room kind of a thing? And that really we get to a point evolutionarily or mentally or cognitively or all the above where we can find these things, maybe rebuild the pyramids or something. Mm-hmm. Where perhaps self-awareness is that doorway out. That's it. It's the Truman right. Show. It's the exit because you've sailed off. You said fuck off to that. You know, it's, It right. gives you enough things back there like the stuff NASA is displaying, whatever they're doing. It shows you what's not. And so you're able to dial your compass in. You know, And that's what discernment in my mind's right. all about. So, I know there's a long question. What I mean to say is, do you (laughs) feel that it's that or anything like it? And that if so, are UFOs perhaps the way out? Dave kind of stole my mojo. Um, (laughs)
2: It is self awareness, in my opinion. Um, A person in solitary confinement can become Buddha or can beat their head against the wall and give themselves brain damage within a week or within an hour. I'm getting that's very well said it's alchemy it's both
3: energies right absolutely
2: um I have a lot of friends um outside of uh we'll say the the military industrial complex and government service etc that are involved with remote viewing based on the legacy programs that were developed um at Stanford Research Institute and then later by by Army um I have my own opinions on the validity of analytical overlay as it, as it, as it goes with uh, remote viewing, but in my own experience, remote viewing does have efficacy and value. Um, a great deal of remote viewers who are not otherwise invested in these answers have been involved in, um, in blind remote viewing sessions where different disparate groups seem to have corroborated the idea of this, uh, this, this going into the light. That we all talk about um, during near-death experiences obviously we've only talked to people who've had near-death experiences except for an alleged one guy who came back right right. (laughs) um so we don't have a lot of eyewitness accounts of what happens after you die um i've had an out-of-body experience during a medical procedure mine involved nothing religious it was just local to the to the room of the operation but it gave me a perception that that my consciousness could be separate from my physical body um i say all this because uh there was a time period where i was one of those people who would if we were hanging out having the deep weird woo-woo conversations late into the night where we were getting into speculation and you know where where there were no rules um i i might lean over to you and go don't go into the light right go around Um, it it's a ruse it's aesthetic this. pain that's being offered to you in some weird Gnostic sense to come back. Um, and there's a lot of our teachings that have been trying to tell us this in different mystery schools throughout the world. And so there was a period of time where I thought that that was something that, you know, in in the esoteric manner had some kind of wisdom to it. And right. within the last six months or so, I've just had some challenges that really caused a, either a... I was either forced into self-awareness or self-destruction. And I like to think I chose self-awareness. And in those moments, something I realized was that that may be the case. That aesthetic pain may be offered at, at the point of death to return into this system. Right. But if you've reached the point where that aesthetic pain is no longer attractive to you, then I don't think the light would be a ruse anymore. I think it's just a fork in the road wow and so i do believe that there is a mystery to be solved within this existence and i believe that mystery is is earning back some kind of return to something that we had lost um that we had taken for granted perhaps in in an energetic sense in our existence so someone might point to that and say well that stinks of religion no, I'm not I don't want your money. I'm not telling you where to meet me and we're not going to hang out right. together to talk about it. So it's not uh, Right, right, right. Um, <laughs> right. But I think that we we have to graduate to a point where I've decided I'm here voluntarily and I'm going to take responsibility for the remainder of this life. So it very well put by the way. Yes, yeah, yeah.
1: if you. I yeah. uh, so it, it is of my humble opinion that under the Let's say the, uh, the presumptions of this discussion here, which is again speculative, of course. Uh, but um, I think, of course, without the speculation, we wouldn't have the ability to expand and all that uh, it, uh, ide- um, intellectually and ideologically. But mm-hmm. I, I would think that perhaps the it's not s- as simple, this reality, as hopping in a craft and going, zoop, okay, we're out of here type scenario. That's my right. humble perspective. Is that what you would liken that as well? Uh, that too, as
2: well? I think uh, this is again speculation. Right, right. I think we're going to see a um, at least a dualistic bifurcation of UAP mm. into the spiritual and the nuts and bolts. Right. Because it's it's my it's my hypothesis that the nuts and bolts are merely a crude mimicry of something that may be possible at a higher energetic consciousness level.
3: Yeah, like anything that's um, tried to imitate nature. Right. Yeah. Mhm. Mhm.
2: Absolutely. Um and and what it, what it, what would a UAP be in those cases? Well, it's it's a bearskin, it's a it, they're, it's a set of eyeglasses to help you see better. It's the fire to keep you warm so you can move into more southern or northern latitudes where it's colder. It, they're tools, as surely as a pencil is a tool, as surely as a piece of flint is a tool. A UAP is a tool. Um, right now, that consciousness that's inside that uap may be advanced to a point where i don't recognize it anymore um or where i may not be able to communicate with it but if that consciousness is still here within this universe this physicality that we seem locked into except for sleep right now um they may have an understanding of this of this um simulation or this layered simulation i could easily see i can easily use the metaphor in my own life that that this is one hard drive where this game is running. And there's a a stack in the server of all these different hard drives with different iterations of of things running. And someone on one of those hard drives has figured out how to get their program into the conduit and onto another hard drive. Um, Right. And then it's able to observe that this is very much like us. And perhaps I think that at some point in that... I don't know how far that would extend out to some iteration of 64 or some E8 lattice type of thing. Uh, Some block universe filled with little different boxes full of Boltzmann brains or something. (laughs) (laughs) But, but the fact is, is that the math kind of says, right. Yeah, That's where we're at. How can we can make a movie about it? But I can't get the physicist to talk about the concepts in the movie other than to, push their new book yeah. i need yeah. someone that's gonna, gonna i need a physicist to get really involved like they did with um interstellar right but the great thing about interstellar was at the end there were no caveats or excuses they were like no nah, this is the best we've done yet we think we think this is as close as we've represented these ideas or even
1: perhaps like
2: the film tenet
1: with respects to time and entropy mm-hmm. right great
2: mm-hmm. yeah. yeah well you and i were talking dave the other day about this this um this concept of we have some of our our sets of physics that say the universe might be a klein bottle right right and if it is that means that there is a there is a recurve at some point in our linear in our linear perception of time at some point there's a recurve into the past if that past point precedes this now we may be at, at these sacred sites around the world where we've rebuilt and we can kind of trace this forensic what the hell is going on with these different types of of megaliths, the nubs, the polygonal masonry, uh, you know, the 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 trilithons that we still quite can't quite figure out how these folks were able to move them at their level of technology. What if each time someone enters the Klein bottle, they right. go back and start over again? So this, if I may give a
1: visual very quickly to something like this, for example, with respects to the fractalization of finite recursiveness, as you mm-hmm. stated, that would be as mm-hmm. we zoom in more for the audience, there'd be using zoom, zoom in to say one part of the infinity, uh, the infinite loop in which is finite to a degree until it hits its border. And then you get to that next step and then you get to the next mm-hmm. one and so on and so forth. Would this be a, perhaps
2: maybe not a good one, but a general visualization of. I think it's fantastic. I mean, it's. Thank you. It's almost like there's a sense that entropy governs the, you know, uh, the physical universe, right? And some aspect, whether we we can call it self, perhaps uh, the evolution of self-awareness, right, counters that entropy somehow. Uh, is that the is that the pure mission? Is it is it different iterations of reducing the entropy? um of a given state i'm not sure that's wild general generalization there but unless this is purely a game for our i
0: don't know we Can love I just to play games just, to my understanding roll
2: right?
1: it out
3: i think it's right, a i just want to like say game, you just yeah.
1: described by the way phase uh, whether intentionally or not phase locking in uh optical physics because what happens is the photons are in their own finite loop respectively Mm. until Mm -hmm. multiple vectors or beams are summed. And then what ends, I was saying this to Brandon just last night, uh, if done appropriately, the particles end up for lack of a better term, integrating and making love with one another rather than fighting. And a fighting would be Mm -hmm. a representation of an explosion as we know it today. Right. Mm -hmm. That's, that's Mm -hmm. very interesting that you said, I appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah.
3: Mm -hmm. So in this Klein bottle example, when they come back around, they, consciousness when it re-enters at its origin point do you then in this model is that is that why there's a bunch of shit laying around as far as megaliths go like do we rediscover these things that have been aged and that have like don't climb on them signs oh yeah i
2: i think it's it's a it's a wonderful argument when trying to um to flesh out these these deep theories um we're just we're left with a lot of really crappy evidence because right. the first thing that we have to the first thing we're throwing out is the idea of a linear progression of time right um and and we're accepting so these are mental gymnastics i'll go with okay. the folks that are saying some of these are mental gymnastics the first thing we have to accept is that we're only perceiving a linear progression of time
3: right yes right
2: I believe that there are physicists out there that can explain that in detail in a way that I can't to to say that it may be true um I what I wonder is I think the thing that we're missing from the from this argument is continuity of consciousness after death and I think that a lot of people that are willing to have this conversation are willing to say there is a continuity of consciousness there is a eternal nature to the essence of whatever we are that seems to exist that seems to overlap what some people call past lives, alternate universes, things like that. I don't mm-hmm. think everybody that's having an experience is is having an experience that is based in the reality of this physical universe. I think that we that that the the signals do cross sometimes, probably within the the realm of sleep. Right um but that said that that this metaphor we talked about the klein bottle and the return and and having a a an impact in the past on the future the perceived future right um it would be imperative in my opinion for a continuity of egoic consciousness what we would call an egoic consciousness right because it, it would seem that the unencumbered self has no wants has no needs is as happy to stand before a supernova as it is a buffet right it is it is here for the now for this moment for the experience and it's going to write that into its long-term ledger ledger it would seem to me that for there to be a use that unless you've unless you're sending i i i don't know if we're if we keep sending back non-egoic perfect individuals why do we keep having to do it over again well that's that's what i'm saying well and
3: to that though then we would i would i would say then the continuity consciousness perhaps comes in the in what some may perceive as, as a limitation of what we feel is possible so some folks would say then that this life is all there is but perhaps this is just like the first chapter of a thing called life that's on a grander scale that really you come back to this bitch let's say on the event of an order of the procession of the equinoxes, perhaps you come and reincarnate in that long cycle and you have that much time to figure it out. It's like a speed dating with Gaia thing right. and you come in and maybe this is sort of like a paintball wars event uh, for your kids on the other side. You're just like the dad coming and running around. This could be reduced to that simple of an experience. As far as some other entities concerned, we could look like squid beings on the other side. I don't know. Right. So what I mean to say is that this idea, you know, and archaics put this out, I believe is that, um, uh, the fun theory about the pyramids i love this one that there's sort of a reset every 100 and whatever years humanity the pyramids have always been here and that humanity gets to a point where they get to technologically be able to rebuild them but the second that mm-hmm. they like put the capstone on it resets all of reality and destroys the py- the pyramids and so then you come back around oh. to figure it out again. And so it is like this loop. Right. But again, it could be this sort of stacked experience. Like we talked about, about the materials being stacked in a way. Sort of like layers on an onion. For Absolutely. Right. So your experiences aren't limited to this one. It's it's many, but the fact that it's recursory, the fact that you forget you go through this river of amnesia every time is part of you the experience. You know what I think of? I think of his dark
1: materials, for those that have seen
3: it, when they unzip
1: the portal and then they zip it up again, you can just kind of, you just open it up. And then you step through it
3: and then you just kind of turn around, zip it up and you're in the next scene. I kind of think this may be an, a possible explanation for what UFOs and shit are. They're just sort of employees of this place. They kind of come in, they kind of give people inspiration, wisdom, people right. always have massive changes after they affect the right. psychology. Right.
2: Anyway. Uh, what know, if UAP fun. were also a, a, a way to cheat the system? What if it was a way to move an ego across the multiverse without it having to achieve enlightenment? Huh. See,
3: now we're talking sean
2: wow it's interesting because so, so if you yeah. you've got a maintenance system right maintenance let's say the maintenance system is driving the cop cars right and right. the maintenance system has their manual on their lap that they have to follow yeah right and they have their job to do but the dukes the hazard are running right. around with their moonshine and they're Daisy Dukes, <laughs> jumping and jumping the cars over rivers and stuff. <laughs>
0: right. And the yeah. cops,
2: the cops. Every time they try to do it, they break the car. You know, I'm, I'm making right. a joke here yeah, based right, on yeah. the things I had. I went a little down the rabbit hole, but <laughs> it's a good pull. We don't have a full. I'm not a person who's like everything bad about UFOs must be the government. Of course, right, right, course. right, right, yeah. right,
1: right. But,
2: uh, right. It's, to, it's bad yeah. enough without having to go there. Yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? Like, like so. Right i know that nature's red in tooth and claw i know that it it really doesn't matter how far you seem to get in this existence success doesn't care whether you're good or bad power doesn't care whether you're good or bad right um the universe doesn't seem to care whether or not you break any perceived rules right um so i can see where a selfish or empirical species if they develop this technology, would certainly be like, wait a minute, why are we utilizing resources in this finite entropy bubble?
1: Right. Why yeah, don't especially
2: we steal? Yeah. If yeah, if they're isotopically close enough, and it'll still, if it'll still build a brick wall, go get their stones. You know. Right.
3: Especially if no one's co- no one's coming to stop them. It's almost the uh, um, substitute teacher mentality. But the substitute mm-hmm. teacher put on a movie and fell asleep. It's that
2: feeling
1: like your kid, like in class when the substitute teacher. Great example. It's like that's it. That's all we're doing today. This is too easy. Yeah. And then like, you just imagine
3: picked on Yeah,
2: that. The resource needed to, to, to develop that technology, to cheat that system, to get ahead of the curve is the very thing that they come into other universes to take because they kill two birds with one stone. They increase their power or in reach and right. they take out the competition. They're not going to evolve on your planet. If you don't have enough of this material to make the, the, technology oh, to leave literally a fractalized
1: version on a much grander scale of what one could argue strongly many corporations do right yeah yeah crap wow Yes. Uh, well yeah he- Yeah. Well, with that said, uh, Sean, I know that we're coming up to the to the time limit and um, I wanted to uh, basically I wanted to ask one more question from uh, our friend Jared, who, again, is a a big fan of yours. And he says that um, he says, Mr. Cahill, one thing that seems to be apparent with any level of research uh, from a hobbyist like myself to someone uh, like yourself is that human beings are in some way very special. As you juggle the wheel, the weird world of the phenomenon and being a family man, what does it mean to be a human being to you? Mm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's yeah. Thank you, Jared. That's a good, that's a good one.
2: It's funny because that feeling of specialness is is very much around what it's like to be human most of the time. Right. We seek that feeling. I want to feel special when I walk in the room. I want to see your eyes light up. I want, I hope you stand up to give me a big hug and you're happy to see me. Right. Um, when we accomplish something, that's the feeling we want. We want the love and esteem of the people around us. Um, we forget often that the way that we receive those things is by giving it. And it's not a trade. It's not a, I do for you. You do for me. What it turns out to be is, I do for you, and after a while, you realize you're safe and you're taken care of, and it's not a ruse, and so you do for me. And we all have these holes. Some of our holes are a little bit bigger, and they take longer to fill, and some of us have have very small holes that are easy easy to fulfill quickly. But it's not until we realize that we're all actually here for each other. I'm not here to take anything from you. I'm not here to turn everybody into a communist that needs to give me half their sandwich and half their income so I can do this intellectual thing over there. Right, right. But at the same time, I want to support your dreams as long as they're not, and your desires as long as they're not taking away from another human being. Right. That's what it means to be human to me. And so when I look at our system, when I see the way that, that a unencumbered, unbothered, untraumatized child chooses to act, Versus the way someone that has been conditioned to protect themselves, I see the true humanity in that unencumbered child. And I see what we could be if we had enough for each other. Enough, you know, if everybody had a little bit of food, shelter, and water, and the ability to express themselves. And if we had a better understanding of not hoarding and overusing resources. I think that there's a whole universe out there that we've never even encountered yet. And I think there's a, there's a level of opportunity out there for humanity. As far as we can see, with the exception of the alleged UAP topic, the universe is empty. Right. I'm, I'm, I'm bothered more by the, by the Fermi paradox or by the idea of a great filter than anything else. It's also right. the thing that probably informs the idea that we may be in some kind of special instanced simulation you know dave and i, I think we were talking right. the other day about are we in a black hole and just looking at the lensed failures of every previous experience outside of this one um with respect to sure. a,
1: like a, an event horizon
2: yeah yeah how many universe how many galaxies had to be created before life popped up it just doesn't seem to be everywhere
3: or like you think, said yeah it's some sort of simulation in like, some sort of isolated simulation have you ever seen that mm-hmm. uh the village by m night shmamalamalan have you ever seen yes. that? Yeah. So that yeah. type of thing to where we're like some ostracized, you know, uh don't go that's a no fly zone. They they don't know about y'all, like just leave them alone, mm-hmm. kind of a thing. Well,
2: I wanted to bring up earlier, I'm, I'm sure both of you guys have worn a VR headset at some point. Yeah. Um, yeah. and probably experience the discontinuity between those two things, even if it's only for a second. That second, if you're if you're that kind of intellectual and you realize I just forgot who the hell I was and where I was for a second. Right. Like I really thought I was in Minecraft or whatever, you know. Right. That has had that happens. And we, we've all seen grandma dive at the TV on the yeah. on the bloopers, reels or, <laughs> you know, Just and stuff like that. Table. Table. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that happens. People have those vestibular responses to these things. That's that's entry level VR. What is what does full immersion feel like? I think it feels like reality. So we're making these the, we make these assumptions. You know, we talk about the Matrix and Jack in the back of the head and people say brain in a vat and they talk about. People talk about having out-of-body experiences, and they say, "I saw my brain, my body in the vat." And I'm like, "Why would you see the body you're in now?" Yeah, yeah. In a vat elsewhere, having you know, it's like through what like, eyes your, that you don't right, have? Your analytical brain? overlay is telling you what you can handle. Right. What it right. told you is that based on the movies you've watched, the books you've read, and the stuff you believe, this is the best representation of your essences elsewhere having this experience the threshold, if you will, right.
3: Well, and it sort of makes sense to the amnesia then, you know, if we come Mm -hmm. in to an amnesia point based exactly on what you said, man, it's an excellent example that we have a, we have a, uh, we have another form of frame of reference for VR -hmm. when we step into it. So we know that it's a different experience, but if you're born into the VR, you don't know it's Mm -hmm. VR. right? Right.
2: If you put a VR headset on me that didn't like immediately feel like it. And I woke up in the morning wearing this thing. How long would it take yeah. before I realized I wasn't dreaming? Like if, if you know what I mean? Like if, if you're if you didn't immediately be yeah. like, I'm wearing a hat, what the hell is this? If you just opened your eyes to say that um the Microsoft Windows, you know, desktop screen with the blue green field and all that. Right. I know I'd give at least a minute of being like, whoa. Yeah. Yeah. It's beautiful here. Right. I, I just it bothers the heck out of me. I think it would bother the heck out of a lot of other people, but I've tried to get out. I've tried to test that
3: consciousness. The question is: is it it may only bother you because we forget that it's a chosen experience? You know, again, we're Mm -hmm. learning a lot here. There's a lot of there's waterfalls, there's butterflies, there's cool shit here too. And what I mean to say is, is that then it would be a point to where, at this point, yeah, you get tired, right? Uh, Bill Hicks even says this about his analogy of the uh, life being a ride, and he says, you know, some people have been on the ride for a very long time, and for some, it's scary, and as it's ups and downs, twists and turns. And, but you just remember, it's just a ride. It's, I liken this to a psychedelic experience. Everything we've talked about, he's like physics, this, I'm like psychedelics are like that too. It all comes back to this uh, psychonaut for well over 20 years. So one of those perspectives is, is that it's, it's a completely different reality, but that there's no off switch in psychedelics. Like once you're committed to it, let's say whenever I took a 10 strip of acid, I knew what I was doing for the next 16 hours, which was, I don't know what I'm doing for the next 16 hours, but I know that there's no off switch to this, it's a commitment Mm -hmm. Right. In the mm-hmm. same way that life would be a commitment. Yes, People
2: enjoy this because they like when I talk about stuff Lou and I talk about. But we had a, a late night conversation very deep after a couple of hours. Um, uh, you know, just cooking dinner and having a couple of beers. And we just got really, we were alone. We just got really deep into it. And the conversation ended with me kind of having an epiphany. Mm. And I went, holy crap. The universe is Helter Skelter. And he goes, what do you mean? And I go, it's the Beatles song, Helter Skelter. I go, when you get to the bottom, you go back to the top of the slide where you stop and you turn and you go for a ride and you get to the bottom and I see you again. Yes. Right. Yes. Right. And when I go to an amusement park with my kids, when I'm not being a humbug bastard and, you know, (laughs) trying not to, you know, have fun and everything, (laughs) we go do the crazy ride. We get off the crazy ride, and if that park's empty, we're running to go back and do it again. You yeah. can't run. Really right yeah. And on the run from the end of the ride to the beginning of the ride, we're talking about how awesome it was. And did you see that? And I heard so-and-so scream, and you sounded like a girl, and I thought I was going to fall out. And oh, my right. God, I'm soaked. And whatever all those things happen. Right. And then you get back in line, everybody kind of calms down a little bit. And then you go into that little zombie state, and we're all just kind of staring at each other's backs and shuffling <laughs> forward. And then the the adrenaline starts to rise, and the nervousness starts. And even though you know you're going to be fine, you're like, "Oh Jesus, here we go again!" Right. And as soon as that thing goes, man, you you forgot about your bills. Yeah. You forgot about the argument you had with your girl. You don't care that the hot dog costs fifteen dollars. Right. <laughs> you're screaming. You're not. You're. You don't have your phone out interviewing yourself. Well, I am experiencing increased gravitational pull <laughs> as we go around the corner. <laughs> Maybe after a thousand rides, you start doing that. And I think some of us, maybe the three of us are on our 800th ride and we're finally starting to go, maybe I should take some notes. And that tree looked different on the last turn. What the hell's going around going on? Um, And maybe we're, you know, but I think
3: in between we're still going,
2: how was that? It was awesome, man. Yeah. they they changed one of the trees. I noticed this time. Right. Let's go. Totally. Right. And
3: even to, more know. to that, then it would be that you're all everything in the simulation. You can choose any of the characters here. So then as we're running back to the ride, I'm going, Dave, I want to play you this time. And right. you'd be like, dude, I want to be Brandon this time. And then we'd live each other's lives. Right. And <laughs> <In laughs> whatever.
2: <laughs> yes. Yeah. I had a conversation with a loved one the other day where we were discussing this conceptually the same way. Right. And, and they said to me, why would we choose it if it's so hard? And I said, it feels hard when it's hard. It feels beautiful when it's beautiful. Without the contrast, life is nothing. And we hate remembering that. Right. We don't like remembering. I know this is an
1: oversimplification given, again, that everyone in, in their own personal life has different struggles and beneficial things they're going through. But it's this idea perhaps that, again, perhaps oversimplifying, but you choose if you're having a mm-hmm. good time or not you
2: choose if you're having a, a shitty time or not basically and the barometer yeah, has to be your heart it has to be your right. heart that chooses that and, and that's the thing that it's so hard man up until yeah 10 years ago i didn't acknowledge the heart as anything more than a blood pump i was only beginning to to open my eyes to the idea that it had an electromagnetic field i didn't know anything about frequency resonance right. and those things that a lot of us end up learning about I didn't meditate I thought I was a meat animal having a meat existence and and this was a a purely physical materialistic world mm. um I had challenged the universe to show me spirit and I had determined that it hadn't done it good enough mm. um I see and that on the threshold other was side that, of the coin now
1: yeah. right so that threshold of your determining in this particular case that it was not good enough that threshold was defined by you and therefore the best person to hide
2: something from you is you. Yeah. It's been, I know now if given, if asked, if you ask me, do you have everything you need? Right. I would, I would only need to ask you, do you mean like right now, right now, or like in life? <laughs> right. Right. Because right. right now, right now, of course I could use a cup of coffee or something else like that. Cause I'm, I'm a monkey, <laughs> but I, I do have everything I need. Right. Is my life perfect? Hell no. Right. But there's a roof. There's food in my fridge. I have health care. I'm able to feed myself and protect my family. Right. After that, it is all choice.
3: Right. Let me ask all you a question. It. It, yeah. it is also a choice to see that it's not perfect. So let me ask you this what would define a perfect life for you that you could uh, grasp and exist in this existence?
2: this is this sucks because if there if we do have a ledger if is if there is like some anubis somewhere waiting at the end going what's he about to say (laughs) he he said it yeah he's gonna weigh me on the scales remember i'm just a mirror to you brother that's all this would be so damn well i would be so bored if i had elon's money after about six weeks And I'm one of those guys who's been bitching and complaining his whole life that he didn't have enough money. I've coveted your laptop or your car or your ability to go on your, on your, on your vacations or whatever else. I'm a sorry son of a bitch. I don't know how to accept gifts. Well, you know, like I had that lack for my whole life, which is stupid because I grew up rich and was left money and all this other stuff, but never quite enough to not be going, well, crap, where do I, where do I get next month? You know what I mean? Right. Right. And, Twenty years in the military offered a great deal of stability i i, I always mean, knew what was coming where it was coming i felt rich the whole time because all my needs were met because my needs right. aren't I, I i'm not that guy who really needs the bigger tv i'm right, not the guy right. who sees you get what you get in, in very few cases is there something i'm i've usually i'm usually only envious when i can't get what i want well i finally got to a point in my life where i looked around i was like what do you want a different colored one now there, right you go. right, there you go. Right, yeah, right it's a great point. or, or right. one you know the one for your you know a, what you why not what am i gonna do now learn left-handed guitar well this <laughs> speaks to my, my right-handed guitar for granted yeah absolutely go.
1: right well this speaks to in in my opinion to perception and relativity right for example if mm-hmm. we take this idea on a grander scale of some someone extremely wealthy in, in in a material regard you know oh i just you know hopped on my private jet Gets less and the value decreases each time you go on it to you as an individual. So it's kind of just, yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. Yeah. I am, I am used. Oh, this is this. (laughs) (laughs) What do you mean you don't have a green room and coffee? Right, I see where (laughs) you're going. Yep, yep. (laughs) Like that's that's where my ego has gotten. Where I won't I won't say anything. Right. But like, oh, I'm just gonna stand here in the hallway for ten minutes, twenty five minutes until the next guy goes all right right you know, it's, but, it, but it's one of the like i'm not a diva but it's like i just want a cup of coffee in a chair yeah or can i not have the conference attendees staring at me while <laughs> <laughs> but that's the same thing man right yes. and and we're human and so my little monkey in me builds this tiny little bit of resentment and they're like well i'm not gonna do this one again right yeah, it's like it's like man
3: oh, What'd you come yeah. here for? Did you come here to talk to these folks or to get served? Yeah. Right. These are what uh, psychedelics play a wonderful uh, part in. It, Michael Pollan had a wonderful example of this on Joe Rogan show about the snow and the hill it's for the audience sake that maybe hadn't heard it. He related mm-hmm. it to that. Whenever you snow down a hill, your sled tracks get built in and then there's grooves. And as you go down the hill, any way you go, usually they'll slip back into those grooves that have been channeled there as cursories and you won't go a new path. But what psychedelics offer is snow on your, consciousness it's fresh powder for you to cut new trails new neural mm. pathways so this offers you new perception and again it, it gets you out of stagnancy and all sorts of things i'm not a big proponent well, of that if I everyone me say
1: very quickly on a grand scale and sean please forgive us if you do have to go but uh, huh, on a grand thank scale you, thank you if, if you look for example at like where psychedelics come from say mushrooms for example mother nature. Mother well, nature is trying to perhaps give us some entertaining tools to use to both learn and enjoy. This is one of That's my favorite, the, and
3: I agree with you and this is where like the stone ape theory with uh, Terrence McKenna and the food of the gods come oh, in where right, right, ancient yeah. hominids were strolling around that jump in right, consciousness right. and one of the interesting things too speaking of psychedelics to tie it right now back into entities and the structure of the universe is, is that some say that psilocybin is a entity in itself and then it basically mm-hmm. hijacks your consciousness Right. but it does it in a super dope way rather than what we refer to affectionately as a lizard turd not all lizard mm. peoples or turds but mm. there are lizard turds but what i would say to that is it doesn't do that in that way because what does right. it do it makes you very cognizant of nature right. it makes you um you know love animals or respect all these things right. which <laughs> it, it allows you to have the same reverence for its living conditions it is it does it also grows along trails as to encourage you to pick them up and then to transport them right i mean jumping on like your back literally with spores to then transport themselves yes. to be appealing to be consumed it's fascinating when you start looking at things this right. way because then you say, well, maybe our vehicle is just um, an interface object, like a water bag that's contacting the earth like Elsa Dylan says. For these different posts, you, you just
1: described what's called Bayesian statistics by active inference, Dr. Carl Friston. No big deal. <laughs> Fucking crushed it at that. That's what, that's what what I, that's that's what they're proposing. Yeah, the, the idea there's this there's multiple layers of input and output.
3: Yes. So then, because you really look at it, you're not your body, you're not any of this shit. But at a deeper, if you want to go microscopic, you're seventy five trillion cells all saying, "Hmm, yeah. we do want you to survive," and it's like this fascinating co collaboration right. on every level. Right. Right, It's beautiful. So then you say, okay, well, what's this body and what's Gaia? Is it living as well? This realm, this place that we're on, is this a living being? And we're the cells right. that comprise it. And there's a disharmony. There's a dis-ease in Gaia that, you know, is this right. uh, singularity that that's, it's looking for. And maybe that's what the, like, singularity is. It's basically like a Tylenol that it took to heal its headache, which is us, this parasite <laughs> that's just, that can't get its shit together and focuses on duality. Right. You know? I don't know. The When I first encountered the idea... Of a Boltzmann
2: brain, it was on the boat ride to Guadalupe Island. Um, Lou had handed me his phone, and said, "Read this email," and it was just a discussion—not top secret anything, not even right. secret anything—just a discussion amongst colleagues about Boltzmann brains and about the spon- the idea of um, you know the spontaneous creation of a consciousness within a th- uh, therm a what is it a therm a uh, stable thermodynamic environment right A homogenous thermal thermodynamic, thermodynamic environment and from a science fiction story writing standpoint a lot of times what i'll do is take these ideas and try to fit them into a, a little vignette you know a little episode in my mind of dark mirror or something like that right And i thought to myself about what the hindus say and a lot of the other rel- religions say about the origin of the universe and i thought about our observational data that is Seems flawed, but leads towards some kind of energetic beginning like a big bang or an extrusion from some point. And I started thinking to myself, well, whatever existence is, if it had been around long enough for a certain period of time, the entropy would lead it to some thermodynamic homogenous environment. And if there was a spontaneous um, creation of consciousness, such as a Boltzmann brain, there and it found itself conscious but alone with no resources and facing eternity Mm. i can see where consciousness would want to break itself into millions of parts yeah and and try to rediscover self-love if anything else i the idea of boredom alone is the easiest thing i think for a human to understand so I have a feeling that what, what you and I are as humans is the highest level of technology in the observable universe. Um, right. I have a feeling that we, as an essence, made this entire experience for ourselves to have something to do. Right. And that right. UAP, are yep. other conscious entities bifurcated into this existence doing what they want to do. Right. Because the alternative is nothing by
1: definition of your ones and zeros. Right, exactly. I'm going to exactly. wrap
3: it back. Guess where? Psychedelic. So there's a state called the void and it is this mm-hmm. state of pure detachment, but there is an awareness within the void that all of this is made up and that none of it's real and that you are the one projecting it. And right, it is right. a hard awareness. And, this and when is- you come back from it,
2: that knowing smile
0: right. is the
2: thing that we, with that when you turn to each other and you're like, you son of a bitch. Yep. Right, yep. <laughs> right. i can still feel you i feel who you are man this is it's 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 drifting away but there's that moment where we all know that thing and it's beautiful right it just it just is for lack of a better Mm -hmm. description right Right. and we can attain that through yoga and meditation as well it's more subtle yeah right you know it's 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 a three it's it's getting buff with a three pound barbell instead of a 45 pound barbell (laughs) you're gonna you're gonna get cut and fast you're not gonna get super strong but we, but I think, well, now I, I'm admitting that we know that when you utilize psychedelics in that frame of mind, right? it's like having an exoskeleton. Suddenly you can lift anything.
3: Yes. Yes. You know? oh. Yeah, you the, see with different eyes, there your were certain sensory studies data of, input's crazy, your right. vision's crazy, your hearing's crazy.
1: Right, right. Certain studies out of John Hopkins have said where the subjects have come up, like when the experience was over, they would say, these individuals would say to the doctors that were studying them, like trying to explain that what they learned from there in not all, but many cases were what they experienced during that trip or whatever we'd like to call it was more real than anything here. Mm -hmm. And the doctors are like with their notepads and they're trying to say, well, what do you mean? What do you mean? And they're like, no, 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 you don't get it. There was more real than here. I've got, uh, let's remember the, the let's
2: remember the the Michael Pollan. (laughs) One of the most important things Michael Pollan uh, introduced mainstream folks to is the idea that psychedelics do not create hallucin- hallucinations. Hallucinations are what we call a fake overlay. Yeah.
3: You mm-hmm. know,
2: they're they're what we call an a, an overlay that that has no uh value in reality that it's a psychological construct what Michael Pollan showed us is that psychedelics remove barriers from the brain and bring in more quantitative information about the reality we're experiencing than we were prior to taking the the hallucinogenics so you're not experiencing a hallucination you're experiencing more input now it's the question as to how you interpret that through your own experience and analytical overlay 100% 100% wow.
3: yes this is where the data input uh comes in at full steam and this is also yeah. where uh why psychedelics are beneficial for things like ptsd a uh, mm-hmm. good buddy mine, carlos tanner runs the ayahuasca foundation in Iquitos, peru that's where zach efron went and did his down to earth show remember? oh that's nice. carlos's place he's cool shit one thing that he talked about is a state of hypersensitivity and you enter this mm-hmm. in many different ways trauma is another one so right, we don't even right. need to go into all that but trauma gets you into this hyper state of awareness. And then you plant seeds of trauma out here. And when you return back to baseline, they're out here just stuck in your subconscious Mm. like thorns. And those are the Mm -hmm. things that affect you and manifest in certain ways. So this is where psychedelics allow you to open the door back to that hypersensitive state to retrieve those fucking thorns and pluck them out Mm -hmm. and go, no, thank you. So these ideas, again, of these altered states. Now I've talked about this as well, being an avid psychonaut that that's the real reality. And that actually we don't need to perceive it that way from this state, our baseline state, because there's a different experience to be had here. And that would be way too distracting. It's far too dope as shit. But what I mean to say is, is that then it feels like this is the trip, like what we're doing now. Right. Right. This right. Is the support- right. Yeah. So as psychonauts,
2: let's, let's pay the people a little bit and let's, let's say that um, as, oh boy, I might have one of those moments where my thought decided it didn't want to be said uh <laughs> a barrier. Yeah. Give me one, one quick
0: second. Let's no see if I can Nope.
3: It's gone. No problem. And I was going to say Rick Strassman to tie it back in. He got people under, had him on the show. He he wrote uh, uh, DMT, the spirit molecule. And in Mm -hmm. that he talked about these intravenous DMT studies where he would put folks Mm -hmm. under for a long time. Now, this is where I'm tying it back to the Mm relation reality that he Mm -hmm. would put folks in to be psychic warriors, basically in this realm to go make contact in another way rather than hopping Mm -hmm. on a ship, which then again leads to what we're talking about, that it's an introspective process. It's an awareness. It's all found right in here.
2: I remembered what I was gonna say um so when we when we brainwave activity right right we seem pretty chill we seem pretty in flow right now I'm sure we're probably uh right below beta probably in a high alpha right you know right most of us at any given time are in beta um if you have a full bladder you're in higher beta uh you're closer to fight or flight but let's go back to this this idea that that trauma seems to open certain logic gates for some people and close them for others right that that brain state of intense spiritual um expansion okay is up in the gamma okay when we when we meditate towards the void we meditate into Alpha and down into Theta sometimes and if you screw up you fall asleep and go into Delta um however Crossing the threshold from, from theta alpha in that, um, in that void state, going around beta into gamma is where we start having those more spiritual connections, that intuitive experience. Right. I believe that, that, that whatever is at our core, our authentic essence, that unnamed person in you that will continue on in my belief. Right. I believe there are moments where, where, where the the person inside us is able to take advantage of that trauma where it says, you know what, if we just kicked you up about 10 more Hertz, right? This will open a door for you that you weren't going to learn to open otherwise. Mm. Or maybe it happens by accident. Maybe it's just a question of resonance. You could be completely the Frick freaked out. And then something in your local environment could give you the, 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 the binaural beat, right. shall we say, to the end of your your freak out at beta the giving you flow. that little push of just a few hertz to get you over into a different way of thinking and a different mode of feeling so it doesn't happen for everybody some people go into trauma and they get pushed down to the lower vibrations and i know folks don't like those talks but the fact is is all these woo-woo talks about vibrations match brainwave activity they correspond to entrainment and binaurals
3: and they should be studied well, and I'm going to clarify that it's not hierarchical. It's simply spatial mm-hmm. when we talk about right, these right, things. Right. And so that yes. gives us credence. Uh, it, so. that
1: in physics, it would be discrete. There
3: you go. Yeah, discrete That's nice. topology. Diplomatic. <laughs> yeah. Diplomatic topology.
1: Sean, everything you just said there, I took as this right over here, the traditional onk or the why. And the reason I say that is because relative to what you were saying about taking that ebb and flow from, say, one path to maybe a more suitable one for mm-hmm. your resonance, And so Mm -hmm. I just couldn't help but think of that and the
3: way it Well, And that's also what we were talking about, about the Archon Soul Trap, the light, Mm -hmm. right? Oh, Mm -hmm. right. So what is the other alternative? I'm curious uh, because I've uh, actually asked this question to many folks talking in in consideration to the Archon Soul Trap. Uh, What's the option? Because I've heard turn around back to your body, which isn't necessarily a thing. But I've also heard if you turn around, you reveal everything. And then actually you see that it's a whole huge game. Mm. What have you heard? Is it just off to the side? Is it up or down? What do you, what do you think?
2: Oh, I tend to, I tend to agree with the last thing that you said where, um, so I just came back. I spoke at uh, the Ozarks UFO conference, um, last month. And that was the, the, the kingdom of Dolores Cannon. And if you're, you're not familiar with Dolores Cannon, she did an incredible amount of hypnotic regression over the years. And she wasn't even specifically originally involved with UFOs or past lives or anything like this but she got to a point where she was having her patients ended up having descriptions of the same types of experiences and things like that. So she had developed a technique to hold people in that place when they began describing it, to keep them in that frame of mind. So they could continue describing the environment, the reality, and what that portion of their self knew. Mm. So one of the things that she determined was that, that that this is a school, Um, that we do come here voluntarily, that there is an interim that looks very much like this life, or perhaps we only perceive it that way, but where, where the people we are involved with in this life have planned out this existence where, where, and, and this, this is one of those things where this will make people who are in pain angry. Right. Okay. This will make people who are experiencing what they consider negativity and lack angry. But according to dolores before we enter this life we agree on almost every point that we're going to go through and that what we end up feeling when we feel resistance hate pain all of these things is because our our the aspect of us that does have free will right that must make these choices is making choices that are counter to what our original plan was so let's say that two people have a relationship and And that relationship grows to a point where they're going to separate, or or someone has a business together that's the same way. Mm-hmm. One person feels they need more freedom. They want to branch out. They want to continue making choices in their life. The other person cannot see past the event horizon of this loss. So they are they they rail against um, the separation or the dissolution of the company. They cannot accept it. They can't see their future any longer. They don't know how they're going to move forward. This thing was, was a foundation of who I am. That, that leads to, to pain, depression, right. you know, anxiety, horrible, horrible places in the human psyche. Lack of self-improvement. The yeah. things that make us scream no, no, no are the very things that we need to say I must accept this. And when you understand the difference between the selfish barometer of of your ego and the the authentic barometer of your heart, or when you begin understanding that that pendulum does swing back and forth and that the way that it manifests itself within feeling in your body and words in your mind, we're not always our best advocate. We actually want to be good people. We actually want to be respected and and loved for our actions. We, We... there are very few of us that you can get a safe, quiet, warm, fed, and ask them that they want and have them go, "Oh, I want everything in your wallet and everything at your house and I want all of your fame and I want all of your your integrity No they go, i'm just happy to be here right now because in that moment of safetyness you realize this is it it's we're here for each other right so
1: this well this reminds me if I may say I was listening to um uh, uh, Whitley Strieber recently promoting his most recent book and something I found quite peculiar is that to everything you said Sean uh, he claims that uh, again I'm paraphrasing forgive me Mr. Strieber if, if you hear this and I'm not phrasing this correctly but he was paraphrasing this or I'm paraphrasing where he stated that his wife who has since passed away physically in the physical mm-hmm. has come back to, her, to him spiritually and is saying to him essentially you need to realize this what we call this reality is a game mm-hmm
2: yeah, I, yeah. I don't think we. we've all seen a beautiful mind. Yeah, that was uh, with um, Russell Crowe. Uh, Russell Crowe. That was the first time as a as an adult. I was I was I didn't go to college. Um, that was the first time I was introduced to game theory, and I had a little bit of trouble in the beginning understanding that a game didn't mean right. Fortnite right. or Call of Duty or Monopoly right. or right. Hopscotch, and then. I finally wrap my head around the idea. Every single thing we do is a game. Making breakfast is a game. Yes. Right. Opening your mouth to speak is a game. Right. It's all a game. That a game is, inter- is, is a voluntary interaction with some sort of set of rules with an outcome that is binary. Loss, win. Mm. Everything we do is a game. Yeah. Just
1: existing
3: in like a participatory a, like universe. A, like
2: a magnet, push, pull, essentially. But a ga- game doesn't mean it's not important. and also if this whole thing is a game it doesn't mean it is either important or unimportant it really i think we have all the time in the world to figure our own mission out yeah you can take as long as you want right love that right but i think
1: in my opinion, that would be a beautiful way to, to wrap it up if that, it's if that insane. works. But Sean, I want to thank you so much for the inc- right. Im- incredible, uh, first off, fa- incredible conversation, but also the, uh, <laughs> the extended time that you so graciously granted us. So thank you so, so very much. And I, I would love for you to have the last word. If there's anything you'd like to say to either Brandon's audience or my
2: audience or anything of, of the sort. Oh boy. Um, <laughs> Only if you want to,
3: don't <laughs> I just wanted to thank you as well. It's outstanding.
2: I'm, I'm really heartened. Um, by the, conversations we, the conversation we're having, we've just had the conversations you and I have offline, the way that I see people responding to these ideas, um, 25 years ago, I couldn't find anybody mm. to talk about these things. It wasn't safe to talk about hallucinogens. It wasn't safe to talk about UAP. It wasn't safe to talk about consciousness or meditation or uh, out-of-body experiences, um, especially as it related to personal experience. And right. now, because of a lot of different people, yourselves included, especially, we're able to have these conversations because we're being bold, we're being courageous, but we're also being pragmatic. Right. We're also utilizing the scientific method. Right. We're not trying to start cults. We're not charging people, you know, to yeah. go out and stare at what they can see themselves in the sky. Right. Um, so I'm very heartened. I hope that your audience keeps looking to accentuate the positive. Um keeps turning the other cheek when it comes to the the folks who want to want to see nice things break. Um, right, right. And I, I just uh, I want to say thanks to you guys for having me here. This is this is one of the most uh, interesting and wholesome conversations I've had in a long time. Thank, Thank you. you
1: so much. Well, And take care, everyone, to those watching or listening. Thank you so much.